0: songs we sing and the words we heard from the Jarmer family are so real, they are, and they're probably for more than a few of us, nearly unimaginable today. How can we have peace? How can we have the silence? sent his son into a world of chaos, just like ours. So I'm going to ask us to do something as I lead us in prayer. Listen for my instructions. If you're one of those people that your circumstances right now are anything but peaceful, I'm going to ask you to make a faith to your feet would you do that just stand to your feet and while those are standing if you are here and you know somebody that fits that description their life is in turmoil and tension and grief and trouble and pain and struggle will you stand on their behalf at this time as well and join these who are standing there'll be a few still seated some can't stand will you st- will you who are standing near them put an arm on their shoulder cuz we're making a faith statement here today will you close your eyes now and just hold on to the person next to you the chair back and just imagine do mostly unnoticed into a world that was crazy and in deep trouble but that same Jesus grew to be a compassionate man a God man who said I came to show you it's hard to just get there in your imagination what God is all about you see his face right now remember you stood because you were in some kind of stir or you're standing because Represent that family member or friend like that right now. Now look at Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that all kinds of us are looking at you right now. Some in this room. pray for a world. I'm not sure how that can possibly happen. But I know that one by one, nation by nation, we can turn to you. But it starts with one heart. And we stand asking as kids are kind of making their way around and going to join together for some good times as well some really important times some of you know what goes on in Kidland but if you don't have one of the children that's there find out ask about it ask uh, Miss Becky and she'll tell you the things they do and maybe ask one of the children themselves today in cafe or something it's uh it's good things they they're learning at a maybe a little people level about things that you and i uh feel deeply and um and i'm glad for that it's uh it's a really good thing i am so uh let me just unscripted tell you that you absolutely must come tonight um we have a great uh, holiday uh, tradition, really. Um, I'm going to give you the right label for it because it's not really holiday. It's an Advent carol sing. And it starts at 5 o'clock, and it will it will end probably within the hour. It's not a long, long thing. But it's it's. Um, we used to have a whole list of things that we would do, and Debbie and I did one of those this last week. We went and watched the Christmas boats go down the Willamette River, and uh, they're hollering from the boats, have Merry Christmas, and we're hollering back, trying not to make a scene, and it's a whole bunch of us out there. That's just one of our fun traditions. We love singing. We love uh, hearing the story of Jesus coming. Um, but tonight will be very special, as it is each year. If you're elderly and driving at night uh, is not uh, easy for you, don't leave today without asking. Somebody, can you pick me up? Can you give me a ride? Because I want to, I want to be there. I want to be part of this thing. Five o'clock tonight, right here, and it'll be special, and you'll be glad. I uh, have it on good, good word that I will not be asked to sing "O Holy Night." <laughs> your, ner- your laugh was nervous. I'm just gonna say, you, what does he mean by that? But Kit Whiteman's disappointed because she's the one that many years ago asked me to do that, and I started way out of my, I think it's called Your Range. Yeah, I was in soprano land before the sucker started, and so I think everybody was winded, including me at the end of that song, but um, anyway, we'll have a lot of fun, a lot of good things, and I really want to encourage you to do that. And then a program note, next Sunday is Christmas Eve, and we have our normal 10 o'clock time for our celebration, but we are going to... have a special morning together so 10 o'clock be sure and be here and uh, I'm not an ugly sweater guy just dress like you feel like it okay so some of you are already in lovely things and I'm speaking to you who are not in this room right now but you're really part of us if you're in another place tuning in today or in the days to come come join us Christmas Eve 10 o'clock here at Grace Point Point. and uh, we're a real place and uh, real people and we have room for you so it'd be fun to have you join us um, so music, I, I love how uh, we do that. It's uh it's not just song, it's not just instrumentation. It's a it's a mix of things that brings us uh, really impact. Uh, ever since I discovered that years ago as a pastor, I realized that it takes the word of God and um and 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 oftentimes in song. In fact, for me personally, some of the uh, the, the the scripture that I've put to memory came as a song, you know, um, create in me a clean heart, oh God. You probably knew some of you, that's from Psalm 51. It's David's song after he had confessed his sin. Um, and and I learned it as a song and then put it to memory. So there's a lot of stuff like that. But um, I like to quote lyrics from songs as well, uh, because they often dial in. Think of it as a frequency, like you've got a radio and it tunes into different frequencies. I think lyrics tune into frequencies that relate to the lives of a lot of people. And, and it's probably true in just about any genre of music you and I could come up with. Like we could, we could take from classical to rock, we could go from country, <laughs> y'all, and we could go to Christian. I mean, the, the called the the categories are wide, and they reveal sentiments songs do that are shared by many. Um, a long time ago, 1980, to be exact, just as dinosaurs were extinct. Um, there was a country singer, his name was Johnny Lee, and he struck a nerve, a humongous nerve with his hit song, You Know What It Is. You're not going to say it out loud, because we're going to know you're a Johnny Lee fan. But Looking for love. Remember that song? Some of you have a painful sound coming from you right now, oh, not that song. In it, he tells... Turns out it's his story. I did some research and discovered some things about that song long ago. His story um, that actually turned out to be the story of many people, or you wouldn't sell millions of records, something in it, about a frustrating search for love. That was, uh, as the, s- the song uh, story goes, it was a frustrating search for love. And, um, and he actually, in his search, he says so in his song, it spanned a lifetime. It wasn't a teenage search, in other words. This thing went on and on and on. And he made a song out of it and, of course, made millions, I'm sure. But as the song continues, he describes some of the, call them futile places that he searched looking for love. And a frequent repeating line in the song became a really famous admission, not only by him, but people that kind of embraced the song. And it goes like this. I was looking for, <laughs> I'm tempted to sing, looking for love in all the wrong places. Right? Okay, enough of that. So <laughs> this is Christmas and it is church. But looking looking for love in all the wrong places, looking for love in Too many faces. Okay, he's not done. And I was alone then. No love in sight, and I did everything I could to get me through the night. What a life. What a desperate life. What a difficult. why I like lyrics? I mean, they, they pr- we say it as pastors, as teachers and preachers. They preach. They get people's attention. They communicate a message, even if it's contrary to what we're here about. They, they, they grab us, and they make us sit forward in our seat, and it becomes something we're going to listen to. Who hasn't felt that way, may I say, about those lyrics? Or, as you just prayed, knows someone who actually, right now, feels like that. Now time for a surprise. My talk today is actually not about looking for love in all the wrong places. It's not that at all. Because you know, God so loved the world. I mean, we know the right place to look. But given our Fourth Sunday in Advent, what the Jarmers just read to us, and man, that feels good on cold hands. (laughs) I'm just going to stay here a while. Um, I want to change it up. I use it as an introduction this morning, and because I think uh, it's something that we long for and often look for also in all the wrong places. Talking about peace. Uh, So where are some of the wrong places that we look for peace? Let's start there, okay? Because I am convinced you and I live in the midst of a chaotic world. I'm convinced of that. That's not a dig on Portland, Oregon. We don't have a corner on chaos you can find this across our country or in any other country of the world you can find it across the street if you're looking i could give you examples in our peaceful little neighborhood so let's let's just agree we've got a problem because there's not much peace and there's a whole lot more chaos it seems and we tend to look in the wrong places for that peace you with me so far in my premise okay so here's the deal let's start let's just zoom out as far as we can let's go global okay just two places i want to look the first one global i took a little check and um pretty much there's two ongoing wars in our world today probably a lot more skirmishes, conflicts, whatever word you want to use, but wars for sure. The one that we all think about for a while now is the Russian-Ukraine war. Um, How many, how long has that been going? Anybody want to guess without checking? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Well, I got a little shock coming for you. It's not two years. It's 10 years, 10 years since they, Russia, invaded and took over by force Crimea. And you ask the historians that are local to the scene, and they will tell you this is not an almost two years ago war. This has been with us for 10 years. So however we want to define the timing of that, it's much bigger and much uglier than we tend to get in our filtered Western world okay so and I'm not I'm not an in I'm not a guy that knows it all I'm just simply telling you I was floored. I was prepared to tell you how long has that been going well this February will be two years no a lot longer and then of course you, you can't miss the Israel Israeli Hamas war how long's that been going You knew it's a trick, right? <laughs> yeah, millennia, somebody said. Uh, actually, 18 years. And if you ask them, how do you get 18 out of two months? Most of us know this thing blew up in October. That's the latest iteration of a five, they, they have five distinct wars they would call the Israeli Hamas Again, I'm on the floor when I'm learning this stuff. Because I, I, a month of war is, a, is an eternity in my mind. I've never been to war, but I have great friends that have, and they don't have any fun talking about it. Um, so where do we go to get peace? Russia, Ukraine, Israel, Hamas. Where where do we go? Who do we go to to broker peace? Well, let's just say it. Most people would say, well, the best place to go would be the United States because they've got uh, might and money and hopefully a will to do something about it. Others would say, no, we lost our moral high ground somewhere along the way, whatever. But they would, they would point to the U.N. Those are kind of the two that come to mind for me. Those are the two, right? Is that a, is, Did I go positive or negative on that second, right? So what do you do? My point is we look for peace. That's not going to work. That's not going to work. Holy smokes, we're out of places to go. Also, of course, the second place we go. Let's go from zoomed way out to zoomed way in and talk for a moment about peace on a personal scale. You know the kind that you look for when you face loneliness and depression? And brokenness, broken relationships? that frequently turned for help in their search for peace well uh, let's just think through our lives for a second most of us would say a friend I call a friend I got I got that go-to person in my life I call them we have coffee and that works for some maybe only temporary for others and then we, if it's a big enough problem, it, it seems to escalate to counselors. We call a counselor, a shrink, a, a PhD, an MFCC, on and on the labels go. We find, uh, you know, we, we kind of think, well, you know, I'm paying 150 bucks an hour. Maybe that'll take it to a true peace that I desperately need. And people do that. Some go to pastors, and, and they're free. <laughs> uh, but they go to pastors and they say, you got something? Um, but more than a few, um, I, it's just you know me, I'm going to be honest about it, more than a few turn to things like alcohol and drugs. And in our new enlightened Northwest, magic mushrooms seem to be the thing. Seriously, think of the folly of that or pot or anything like that. Here's the problem. Never mind your politics. None of this is political to me at all. You need to know that. But every one of those places we turn for peace don't last. That's my problem with that. They 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 have a, they actually wear off or they run out. Need more fentanyl. That's crazy. It's it's knowing we got chaos and turning to the wrong relief and being surprised that chaos didn't go away. Uh, people keep searching because it's a problem that won't go away without a much better. the reason why it's just this pattern problem search for seek for reach for relief pattern doesn't go uh, you know we have temporary relief we have a moment it runs out and then the problem again Um, you want to know why my estimation if you're going to write anything down this is worth writing down this is the keeper the whole rest of my talks about this the peace we seek isn't To be found apart from a personal relationship with the Prince of Peace. Take that with you today. Talk to people you love who are in knots. Tell them, admit to them, I can't fix you. Friend, I love you. I'd take a bullet for you. I can That will not fix your lack of peace problem. Because peace, we seek peace that will last, will not be found outside of a personal relationship with the Prince of Peace. Uh, the Jarmers read some great words from a, um, a prophet. It's great in so many ways. God used Isaiah mightily. Chapter 9 is a wonderful chapter. I'm just going to point to it. Uh, most of these scriptures you've heard before. We, uh, When describing um, an event eight centuries before it happened, Isaiah uh, used four descriptive names to describe a promised deliverance. can't spend enough time trying to go back 800 years. And imagine this is just a real guy. He's just a another guy like me or, you know, Jim or Bill or John or Bob. This is just a real guy. And he's told by the Holy Spirit, write something down. And it's not for now. It'll come true someday, long after he was gone. And he wrote... Those wonderful words. Uh, we repeat them often uh, at Christmas time, for good reason. They have labels that provide really high def pictures, a snapshot of uh, of one we know as Jesus Emmanuel, the Baby King, is how I like to think of him, born a king uh, in Bethlehem. His words are the words we heard, but to say them again, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will rest upon his shoulders. Oh, and his name is Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father. Last week, we read about a vast company of angels that joined the single angel speaking, appearing to a few shepherds, and they were singing uh, life-changing lyrics. I don't think I've ever thought of what they did that night and recorded in Luke 2 as as a uh, choir of angels, but they were text is clear Uh, one angel came and announced amazing news and a short time later in the same scene in the same moment he was joined by a vast company of angels and this is what they sang chapter 2 verse 14 you remember last week it was beautiful glory to God in the highest heavens they sang and on earth peace to those on Jesus was the son born to us. Jesus was that child that the choir sang about that night. And Jesus was the one who came to live among us. I think Luke said, pitch his tent in the neighborhood. I know of a lot of tents that have been pitched in places they don't belong in Portland, and surrounding areas. This was couldn't have been a bigger, more stark contrast. I would, I would have taken his tent any day, in my front or backyard. How about my home? How about my heart? Uh, <coughs> so, what does peace look like? I mean, he said, the angels said Today, uh, t- together, they, they sang, um, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. What is peace? What is, what's the thing we hunger for and tend to look for in the wrong place? Uh, there's an actual Hebrew, in the Hebrew language, it's a word that's translated 200 times shalom. Like on a Sabbath day for, Jewish people, it'd be sundown Friday night to sundown Saturday night. It's somebody that want to care the language, Doug and and Daniel. Shabbat, shalom, right? It's a greeting that's done not only on Sabbath, it's a greeting that's done anytime. It's, uh, I, I'm gonna, it has for different reasons, but it's used as frequently as uh, the islands, the Hawaiian islands. We say, as a hello and a goodbye. Aloha. It's a very c- normal greeting, but there's meaning behind it in Hebrew. There is in, in uh, Hawaiian language, but the, the meaning behind it in Hebrew is more than peace. It's not a di- an equivalent. It's much bigger. It involves things like wholeness, It's a better word. It's It's a word that can have a reference to lots of areas of life, our, um, our relational, our physical, and for sure, our spiritual domains, if you will. So if I say to you, shalom, I'm wishing you well in your marriage, if you're married. I'm wishing you well in your friendship, shalom. I'm wishing you, I'm praying for you. For the same, uh, physically, you're afflicted by something. There's 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 physical problems. Well, shalom's a good word for that. It's a it's a greeting that wishes you health and wholeness. When you're frazzled and and non peaceful in your soul, it's wishing you. Uh, From that root word, shalom, um, I mentioned it occurs over 200 times in the Old Testament. Uh, Billy Graham drew attention to uh, three types of peace that I thought were just worth mentioning in this kind of moving dialogue here. Uh, Three types of peace that the Prince of Peace, let's never separate it from him, because this is not sold in stores. You hearing me? This is not a a stuff. This is a savior. This is a hymn. This is Jesus. Uh, the first is psychological. It's, it's probably, I don't think Isaiah thought this when he wrote chapter 26, verse 3 and 4. He said, the steadfast of mind, there's something going on inside. The steadfast of mind, thou will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in thee. Trust in the Lord forever, therefore. For in God the Lord, we have an everlasting rock. Are you hearing? Permanent. Okay. So Graham was right. I think he's calling attention to something that's internal. It's not even something you necessarily have to talk about. It's just like um, I live in a world that that hits me hard. So do you. Sometimes I'm up. Sometimes I'm leaning. Sometimes I'm down. Sometimes I fake it well. I'm glad I don't have to fake it this morning. I had a most horrendous toothache Friday and Saturday, and I called the doctor and said, "You know, I'm Scotch and I hate spending money on teeth, but uh, I need a canal, uh, root canal. I need one of those babies, and I need it." I didn't say all this to them. I I planned my speech for tomorrow when I have a scheduled uh, emergency, whatever, and I planned my speech to say, "Bro." Uh, You know, throw me a bone, man. Give me some grace here, something like that. Guess what happened last night? In my sleep, my tooth came out. I'm all there now. No. (laughs) Um, I couldn't, I couldn't, I mean, ask Debbie. I was not fun to be around, but I'm fun again. And I'm not on drugs either, you guys. Trust me, I'm not, I'm not. I was Friday and Saturday. That's too personal, but I just want you to know something. I think Jesus healed me. I do. I, yeah, I mean, look at that. Anyway, uh, I'm done with oatmeal. So, um, anyway. Um, so, psychological peace. Let's go a step further, okay? By the way, Debbie made killer soup last night, so she is my hero once again. But, um Let's go from, psycho- That thou will keep in perfect peace who, him whose heart is steadfast in thee. Steadfast of mind, thou will keep in perfect peace, said Isaiah. A second area would have to be relational, peace with others. I'm just going to read you a couple of words. I was shocked when I read them uh, in this context. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 and to 17. Four times the word peace is mentioned here. Jesus himself is our peace, who has brought the two groups, made the two groups one. He's talking about Jews and Gentiles. They don't play well in the sandbox. For Jesus himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and Regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. Not done. And in one body, he reconciled both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. Last verse. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, that would have to be the Gentiles, and peace to those who were near. Wow. All in Jesus. Relational peace. Relational peace. Lasting relational peace is possible. You're with me, aren't you? Psychological, relational. Here's one more. Spiritual, of course. Most of us have put Romans 5, 1 to memory. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we can have peace with God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That tells you something about your condition. If you're here or listening someplace else and you haven't bowed your knee, between you and God is great it cannot be circumnavigated you can't overcome the hostility that God has for sinful humankind except through the prince of peace that's why Jesus I, not know the way, I am the way. That's the cross. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one finds lasting peace except, Jesus speaking, through me. Will you tell somebody that this week? Don't don't lecture them. I'm just giving it to you so that you have a tool to say, you're at war with God. There is nothing that will fix that conflict except Jesus. And boy, when he fixes it, it's a permanent fix. Amen? I just, I just love that. So Jesus said uh, on his last and arguably worst night of his life with his disciples, Uh, This comes at us late in John. Early that evening, though, he said the words that were read to us. He said, describing shalom as being only sourced in him. He said, chapter 14, verse 27, peace I leave with you. Listen to this. My peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. this is not the piece you can buy someplace. There's no substitute for it. it's me. So he adds, "Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. A little bit later that same night, they were just about to go to prayer and leave for the, the short trip through the Kidron Valley to the Mount of Olives and the arrest and the rest you know to be the cross end of that conversation and dinner and all that went on that night it's covered by the way in john 13 to 17 all of that at the end of chapter 16 these words are recorded by jesus or, or by john about jesus i have told you these things so that in me i imagine his look by this time they know something's heavy in me you may have peace in this world you will have trouble but take courage and I have overcome the world. John 16, verse 33. Jesus was extending peace in those words uh, to you and me, to his followers. That night and every, every, every night since. Jesus' peace wasn't temporary either. It was lasting. That was the clear tone of those words. And Jesus... It's not a way to avoid, hear me now, storms. It's a way to persevere through storms when they come. you, You ask anybody that's walked with Jesus a while and they know personally the Prince of Peace, and you see a hurricane hit their lives, they have a source for that. Be assured. He has a name. Uh, so if we were to go deep uh, further than we have already in the Bible, you would find something to be kind of interesting, and I'll just leave it with you as we wrap up my thoughts this morning. Um, in, in searching the Bible for peace slash shalom, uh, several compelling features, and the first one took me right to the beginning of people on this planet, and they're recorded in the first book of the Bible. And there's this really great scene, and it's all chapter two of Genesis. And there's two people, of course, you know, Adam and Eve, and they're there in the garden, and they're at, they're they're actually living the dream. This is their first home, right? Great neighborhood, by the way. I mean, great neighborhood cul-de-sac. I mean, the street doesn't go through, stuff like that. It's it's a really nice place to live. Oh, and by the way, they get to have blissful times together and hang out with dad. You with me? I'm bringing it down to the bottom shelf here. When it says God came walking in the garden as it was his practice daily, what does that sound like? That sounds like dad's here. Let's play. Let's talk. It wasn't always that way when I grew up. When I heard Dad's home, I went, oh, whoa. I wonder if my crime spree today will find its way to him. But anyway, um, but you get what I mean? That's all chapter 2. My, how quickly peace fades. Chapter 4, by chapter 4, actually chapter 3 it happened, and by chapter 4, The first murder on planet Earth. I'm going to call Cain and Abel. uh, It wasn't just a, you know, misfired gun. This was, I am going to kill you and there will be one of us standing when this is over, said Cain. And that's how it turned out. Read it yourself. That's just chapter four of the whole Bible. Heartache. Heartache depression, death, everything flowed out of chapter 3 which was look God I know you told us not to but we're going to do it our way anyway Dr. Phil asks a good question how's that working for you? you know so much so that he talks about it in terms of a person of peace, Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Um, But a little bit later in Isaiah's words, it's hard to uh, have these two juxtaposed. This Prince of Peace says so in chapter 53, Isaiah does. Verse 3, he says, verse 5 rather, he was pierced for our transgressions, referring to the Prince of Peace. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us, say it with me, peace says in those words, it's salvation and all that comes with it. The punishment that brought us peace, the punishment fell on him. That's the gospel. He didn't do anything to deserve that cross. Uh, The ultimate shalom and peace brought, brought about by Jesus, made possible by Jesus death and his resurrection. That's what Peter meant when he said, for Christ has suffered once for our sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring us to God. Prince of Peace, Emmanuel, he's the one that provides lasting peace, which means that if someone offers you that isn't sourced in Jesus. You can know for sure that that what they have offered, well intentioned, will not last. It won't. It's like a hit it's like a hit of a doobie. It's a it's like a you pick your poison. The drink's empty. They may mean well, but they're not delivering real peace unless they deliver. <laughs> will it will it satisfy your thirst? Maybe for a moment. Will it likely cause other problems? <laughs> Almost certainly. It's it's not clean. It's polluted. Say whatever word you want, but you had thirst somebody offered you water or you drank it and it momentarily took care of your thirst but your thirst is back and a whole bunch more you remember the words that Jesus used um, when he was talking about a woman that um, went to a well and John chapter 4 talks about this He's, she's thirsty, she's there daily Because your thirst is back and you need more water and he said this anyone who drinks this water pointing to the woman pulling water from a well will soon become thirsty again no insight there that's just plain speak but those who drink the water that comes from me that I give fresh, bubbling spring from within, giving them eternal life because that's where Jesus will live when we ask him. I um, I would like you to close your eyes and tuck away your notes and take a moment with me. Um, the, the lights are going to come down for you to just not be distracted by it. I think there's an important fact here to, to consider the, the Isaiah which we talk about so often we point to him and sometimes I think with envy what it would have been like to be the guy given this great news to tell about there's this baby soon to be born 800 years later imagine being the one that was told to write this down At him with envy until I realized, wait a minute, there's another coming. It's a second coming. And it's ours to tell about. Steve's, yours. Not just pastors and preachers and others. It's all of us that have met the source of lasting peace. And I think that's really amazing. The first coming of Jesus, which we celebrate at Christmas was truly good news in every sense good news that brings great joy but the future coming of jesus the second time still in our future is no less joyful but it's now our news to share so if you've met jesus will you make it a point this week say holy Spirit. Guide me when I drive and shop and do whatever I do. And help me to notice people in a way that I get to tell them i I found something that is in short supply in our world today. I found peace. You can too. In a baby king who gave his life for us. Which at least, personally speaking, calls me to want to adore him in worship. If you don't have him in your heart, would you talk to somebody in this room before you leave? Or would you reach out, steve at Grace Point family.com Let's talk. So you can find your way to the source of lasting peace. sing now join me would you stand as we sing adore